Today's scripture reading is from Galatians 5, verses 13 to 23. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve each other humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not know what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. They are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. But I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you are meeting each and every individual wherever they are, on their couch with their coffee in their hand. Lord, I pray that you would connect with them in a real way. I pray that right now, by the power of your spirit, you would fill them with your fruits, fruits of love and, and peace and kindness, Lord. I pray that you would give them that peace right now because we know that we can't do what you, uh, we can't give what you haven't given to us. So I pray that we would give what you have given to us freely by your spirit. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. A woman sees a father shopping with a fussy two-year-old in his grocery cart. Be patient, Billy, he whispers. You can handle this, Billy. It's okay, Billy. The woman said to him, I don't mean to interrupt your shopping, but I just had to tell you how wonderful, what a wonderfully loving parent you are with little Billy. The man replied, actually, my son's name is Patrick. My name is Billy. The spirit is able to whisper to us thoughts of love and joy and peace and patience at every moment of our life, even right now. All we have to do is stop, ask, and listen. So I have a prayer in, uh, that's taped in the front of my Bible that I pray frequently. It was written by uh, Reverend Dr. Bobby Cabot, who is a retired United Methodist pastor, and she wrote this incredible study called A Morning Prayer, and, it, and, the, and the study goes through the entire prayer. This is just a small portion of the prayer, and it breaks down... Um, Her book breaks down each part of the prayer. Now, near the end of the prayer, it reads, Today, I choose to dress for success. I clothe myself in love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and humility. Some of you might be already thinking right away, wait a minute, humility is not one of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul mentioned, and this is true, but Jesus humbly, Jesus humbly lived and modeled humility for us throughout his entire ministry. You know, our passage from today even mentions how we are to humbly serve one another in love. I did a quick uh, Bible search on humility, the word humility, and immediately found two great scriptures from the Old Testament, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. The first one that caught my eye was Proverbs 22.4, which reads, Humility is the fear of the Lord. And the second one was from Philippians 2.3, which says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. So humility is what Jesus modeled. Jesus humbly submitted himself to the Father's will. Jesus humbly did and said everything the Father gave him to do. Jesus humbly demonstrated for us how to live. Jesus is our model. He humbly laid down his life. He humbly laid down his will for the Father, and we are to do the same. That's what we are to do. We're to follow Jesus' example. You know, and living a humble life is certainly part of what it looks like to follow him. That's exactly what it looks like. So recently, while I was praying this prayer, God began to open up and expand this section of the prayer to me in a whole new way. You know, the main emphasis was that we have to remember that each of these fruits of the Spirit, they're they're of the Spirit. They're not of the flesh. They're not our human, you know, human love. There's, there's There's a spirit dimension, a supernatural dimension added to them. And you might be thinking, well, of course they are. Yes, they they are from God. And I think that we have to understand, what we have to understand is that they expand as we think about them, as we meditate on them, as we grow in Christ. You know, and again, there's a supernatural aspect of each fruit that we cannot experience apart from a relationship with Jesus. So if we want more of these in our lives and we don't know Jesus, you know, inviting him in will certainly open the gateway for these to come into your life in a more powerful way. Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit, and when we do that, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I don't know about you, but I know when my desires of the flesh get a hold of me, it is not good. I mean, it's certainly not something, whether it's food, you know, eating too much stress eating and and other things. Um, I don't know what kind of desires of the flesh get a hold of you, but um, I'm, I, we're human, so we all experience it. And the flesh and the spirit, they're opposite natures within us, you know, and we're going to take a brief look at some of the fruits of the spirit. We're not going to look at all of them today, but we're only going to look at a couple of them. So the first one is the fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, the Greek word for love is agape. 
It's the unconditional love of God. You know, God is love, and God cannot not love. You know, can you imagine for a minute if the Spirit's love was operating so much in your life that you were compelled to love everyone you came in contact with? I mean, that's what Jesus did. He loved every single person that came in contact with, and God loves every single person on the planet. You know, love is who God is. It's, it's the core of, you know, if you cut him and he bleeds, God bleeds love. God loves you and will always love you. Before you were born, God called you beloved. You know, as such, God will never, ever reject you. He'll never reject you. You know, we can reject God. We can reject a relationship with God, but God will never reject us. God is constantly calling us toward a personal relationship with him. And even after we have a relationship, God is constantly calling us closer to him. But we must freely choose to be in relationship with God. God will never, he will never force his love on you. Never. God's love is sacrificial in nature. You know, John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The next fruit of the Spirit is joy. Divine joy is the kind of joy that enabled Jesus to endure the cross. You know, we read in Hebrews 2.2 that we are called to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Even the scripture tells us, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It was all about the joy, the joy set before him. You and countless others, we were that joy. We were that joy that was set before him. You know, you, listening to the sound of my voice, were the joy set before him and countless others that would later invite Jesus into their hearts to be their Lord, for him to be their Lord and Savior. You know, and a question I have for us today is, you know, what is the joy that is set before you as a follower of Christ? So if you're a follower of Christ, what is the joy set before you? I mean, we know what it was for Jesus. It was... It was all of the benefits that, he re- that we received through salvation. It was, it was re- restoring and reconciling that relationship with um, humanity when we personally choose that relationship. So think about it for you. What is the joy set before you? What, what is it? You know, and the joy set, if the joy set before you, here's the thing, if the joy set before you is not attached to a kingdom purpose, it will not be sufficient to carry you through tough times. 
you know, I believe in scripture, but at some point it says that um, people will be, they'll be scattered. They'll be, people will turn away, you know, and one of the reasons why people might turn away is because they don't have the joy set before them. So as believers, we are called to use the gifts and talents that God gave each and every one of us. He has placed in us gifts and talents for us to use in God's kingdom and for his purposes. And if we don't get clear on what the joy set before us is, it will hinder. It will hinder our walk with Jesus. We need to see it. We need to envision it. We need to meditate on it and think about it. You know, when we can see the joy set before us, it will give us strength to endure and to press on when the going gets tough. So, for instance, you know, one of the things the joy set before me is our vision statement, witnessing thousands saved, healed, delivered, and set free. You know, to me, that's the joy set before us, that if I keep my eyes on that, it will help press in on hard, when hard times come. Without knowing what the joy is before us, we can get lazy in our faith. We can get lazy. We can, we can become and remain fans in the stands instead of players on the field. You know, are you a fan in the stand? Or are you a player on the field in the kingdom of God? You know, if you're a fan, maybe it's because you don't have the joy set before you. Because if you did, it would make you want to get on the field and play. You know, following Jesus is a contact sport. You know, we have to get in the game. You know, and even when we get in the game, we might get hurt. You know, someone might tackle us and we'll fall down and even get a little dirty. But that's okay because we see the joy before us. We're going to get back up and wipe that stuff off. And we're going to get back out to our kingdom purpose for Jesus. And if you're not clear, um, if you're not clear what, what that might be for you, you know, um, I want to encourage you to maybe use our, our uh, vision statement of witnessing thousands. That can be your joy as well because we're all part of the body called Morse Chapel. And when we are all participating in accomplishing our vision, we all get to experience the joy, you know, especially when we get to heaven. What do you think is going to happen? We're going to see people that were touched by our lives and by other people's lives and the church's ministry. You know, the other thing, too, is maybe it's the joy of reaching children, youth or adults or a combination for Jesus Christ. That could be the joy. Um, Or making disciples, making disciples who make disciples. Maybe it's, you know, feeding the hungry is is part of your joy the passion that god's put put in you to help meet the physical and spiritual needs of other people there are so many different kingdom purposes that could be the joy set before you so think about that what is the kingdom outcome what is the joy that you get excited about in the kingdom of god and if you're not sure Ask God to show you. God, give me a passion for your kingdom. And if you need help, uh, please let me know or some of the other leaders here in the church. The next one is the fruit of the Spirit is peace. 
It is the peace that passes all understanding, especially when things don't go the way we want them to or the way we had hoped for. You know, it's the peace that passes all understanding when we get that phone call that we're like, oh. It's the peace that passes all understanding that tells us everything will be okay in the midst of challenging news. It's the peace of God within us the day after the election when the final results are in and the candidate that we voted for didn't get elected. You know, it's the peace that reminds us that no matter what is happening around the world or who is elected as president, that God is on the throne. God is on the throne. So true peace only comes from God. It doesn't come from other things. You know, we can't buy peace. You know, we can't um, earn it. It's, it's a true gift from God. It cannot be found outside of a personal relationship with Jesus. Any peace that we find outside of that is temporary. You know, you could have all the money in the world <laughs> and not experience the kind of peace I'm talking about. True peace is found in our identity in Christ. The Apostle Paul, he knew this peace. He suffered greatly because of his love for the Lord, his love for God's truth, and his commitment to God's kingdom purpose given to him by Jesus. It was the joy set before him. Yet in all of his suffering and trials, he faithfully followed Jesus. His heart was kept in perfect peace. Now, I have to say, I haven't mastered perfect peace yet. <laughs> I don't know about you, but um, I know that as we continue to grow, we can experience more and more of it for longer periods of time. So we are to be salt and light, people of peace. Paul wrote in the book of Romans while he was under house arrest, in Romans 12, verses 17 and 18, Paul writes to the people, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how is God calling you to live this out by being a person of peace in your circles of influence, in your workplace? How can you be a better person of peace where you work, in your school, in your community, in your family? How is God calling you to be a person of peace in your conversations with others, in your communications on social media? 
you know, sometimes before we post something, we should ask ourselves if we are representing Jesus well by what we're about to post. You know, and when in doubt, if we're like, mm, I don't think this represents Jesus too well and what I'm about to post, don't post it. There's so much going out on social media by Christians that shouldn't be posted. Let's also remember to pause before responding to something someone else might have said or done as well on their Facebooks. You know, I don't know about you, but I've seen Facebook like arguments online with Christians. That doesn't represent Jesus well. Pick up the phone and call someone if you have a problem. The next fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Something that sometimes people say, I prayed for patience, and oh boy, did I have opportunities to practice it. Um, But depending on your Bible version, it can be translated as patience, uh, forbearance, or long-suffering. All three are words to describe a kind of patient endurance that Jesus and other believers experienced over the long haul. Kingdom work is not an overnight job. I think a, 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 week, or so, a week ago, uh, Peter talked, I think, about um, seeds. You know, if you plant seeds, if you're a farmer, they don't sprout up right away. It takes patience. We have to wait for the seed to be nurtured and grow. So kingdom, is not an over, kingdom work is not an overnight job. It takes time. It takes time to reach people for Jesus. You know, there might be somebody at your workplace that you've been praying for for a long time. It takes time sometimes for God to move the heart of another person. So we are to be patient with one another during the process. It takes time for people, communities, workplaces, and schools to transform. You know, and that's something that is so needed in our world right now. And think about the time it took for them to deteriorate, right? It happened slowly. Well, we need to pray that it will start happening and going in the opposite direction, that we'll start to transform them because we're stepping up into the kingdom purpose that God has. That's why he has you in those places and spaces. The practical application of this fruit, when we embrace it, is that God's Holy Spirit gives us, Jesus' followers, an ability to be long-suffering as we labor for the Lord. You know, um, just think about even how long it took before God sent Jesus into the world. You know, God is long-suffering. This patient endurance enables us to press on in our service to the Lord no matter what may come our way. So 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, encourages us to be patient in our kingdom purposes. He writes, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So when we cooperate with what the Spirit's doing in our lives, 
we can be patient. The purposes of God in our life will be accomplished in God's time, not in ours. We don't have to force things to happen. Like when Abraham and Sarah, they came up with their own solution because they were waiting for this child that God promised them. You know, we need to wait for God's solution, for God's will, his thoughts, his ways. They are higher than ours. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, although we're not going to be looking at each individual fruit today, I want to encourage us to take some time. So here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Some people are going to listen to this message today and they're going to get what they get out of it. Others are going to listen to this message today and they're going to heed this next thing I'm about to say. And those are the ones that are going to get even more fruit. So I want to encourage us to take some time this week on your own time. Take some time and meditate on each of the fruits of the Spirit that are listed in these verses. Look them up in your Bible. Do a Google search. Um, you know, uh, write, write them out. Post them somewhere in your house. We have them in our wall in our house. I have them in the back of my Bible, in the front of my Bible. You know, somewhere where you can um, have access to them. Do word searches. You know, God wants you. He wants you to discover for yourself what it looks, to, what it looks like to live these out and how God wants to expand them in your life. You know, now more than ever, given the state of our world, you know, given everything we're in the middle of in this pandemic that continues to affect so many people's lives, given this unrest that's in our nation in different places, um, and given the current fight for power in the White House, I mean, there is a real battle going on, and not all of it is of the flesh. There's a spiritual battle going on as well. So it is important now more for, than ever that we walk by the Spirit. We are to be people who walk by the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 16 through 21, actually before I read that, um, I just want to say, you know, repeat this after me. Not that, not that it, it's, there's something when we declare it for ourselves and we, and we say it. You know, I will be a follower of Jesus who will walk by the Spirit. I will walk by the Spirit today. You know, I encourage you to declare that wherever you are. I'm going to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So in Galatians 5, 16 through 21, Paul wrote, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace 
forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. So as believers in Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come. We are to allow ourselves to continually be renewed by the choices we make, renewed by the Spirit. You know, our growth in the fruit of the Spirit is related to our being aware of Jesus, to, be, to abiding with him. We, you know, we have to be aware of what the Spirit is saying to us in a given moment. We can't release the fruit of the Spirit if we're not aware of God's presence in us. So Paul said, against such things, the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. There is no such thing as being too loving. Can't do it. I mean, what's more loving than God giving his one and only son? There's noth- there is no such thing as being too loving, too patient, too kind, too faithful, too joyful in the Spirit, etc. There's no such thing. So I challenge us this week to live this out, to try to be loving to every single person we come to, to allow the Spirit to uh, work through us, um, because we can't do it in our own strength. Then it just becomes, you know, our own works and righteousness, and it's not about that. Allow the Spirit to live and love through you. So let's remind ourselves that the Spirit of the living God resides in us the spirit is available to help us by whispering to us thoughts of love how hey here's a person love them they're right in front of you Lori, or wherever you are you know joy peace patience every moment of our days all we have to do is stop ask listen and follow how the spirit guides us just imagine if we all do that this week Just imagine the difference it's going to make in our lives, in our households, our marriages, our our parenting relationships, um, our our, with our parents. I mean, coworkers. It could be an amazing, amazing week. So that's the challenge for the week, and keep the joy set before you because it will help you um, endure when, even when you don't want to, or things get tough. So let's go to the Lord and pray. Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you. Lord, um, if there's anyone that does not know you, that has not invited you into their heart yet, I pray that they would do it now. That they would just say, Jesus, I have heard you knocking. I'm going to invite you in. I want that um, fruit of the Spirit to live, um, live and grow in my life. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I I want you to come into my life. I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins and, and that I've messed up and I thank you. So come and be my Lord and Savior. If you just invite him in, he will come by faith through grace. So um, God, we thank you that for anyone who... Um, is doing that this morning, that they are uh, born anew, they're born of the kingdom of God, and we give you the praise, honor, and glory. And Lord, for the rest of us, we pray that we would 
that you would remind us, that your spirit would remind us, that your spirit would knock on the door of our hearts, our mouths, um, that we would truly um, allow your spirit to live through us, Lord. We give you the thanks, praise, honor, and glory for what you're doing, how you're transforming us and the communities we're in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We now have the opportunity to partake in the sacrament of Holy Communion, which is one of the means of grace that Christ gave us to help sustain us and strengthen us on our journey as we strive to be obedient and faithful disciples of Christ. Christ's table is open. The God of abundant mercy invites all to his table, everyone who is hungry and thirsty for more of God. Those who desire a closer walk with Jesus, all are welcome to come and share in this holy meal. Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. Jesus was showing us a new way to live as he was ushering in a new and better covenant. When Jesus was sharing his last supper with his disciples before he gave himself up for us he took bread as was customary and he gave thanks and he blessed it and then he said some new words he said take eat this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me After the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, the fruit of the vine, and he gave thanks to you, and he blessed it. And then he gave it to his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant that has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you can in remembrance of me. And before we go to the table, we want to um, say a prayer of confession. And the words will be on the screen if you can repeat after me. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message. We are located at 392 Blake Road off Blue Ball Road in Elkton, Maryland. Service times are 8.30 and 11 a.m. For more information, please visit www.morschapel.org.